It's my first time. First time. Welcome to Babylon 5 for the first time. Not a Star Trek podcast. My name is Jeff Aiken, and I'm watching Babylon 5 for the first time. And I'm Brent Allen, and I'm also watching Babylon 5 for the first time. Jeff and I are two veteran Star Trek podcasters watching Babylon 5 for the very first time, searching for Star Trek-like messages in the series and trying to decide if we should have watched this one sooner. Do you think we could call ourselves veteran Babylon 5 podcasters at this point? I think we got to at least get through the first season. Yeah, maybe the first watch. You guys out there listening, you can email us, you can tweet at us, and you can comment on our YouTube page and let us know at what point you become a veteran Babylon 5 podcaster. Is it like the NFL where you get one season, all of a sudden you're a veteran, which right. is very weird to me. Um, but Jeff... People can do that. They can email us, tweet us, comment, all that sort of stuff, right? And you know what else they can do? They can hop over to Apple Podcasts, and they can leave us a review. And, Brent, we have a five-star review. Yes. I yes. We do. I like it. This is from Wait, wait. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I was just talking over whatever sound effect you played. I don't know what that was. This is our five-star review sound clip. <laughs> yes. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and if you want to hear that more, like you should, I'd love that sound clip, pop over to Apple Podcasts, click the little leave a review, five stars will get you. <laughs> yes. Just like it's going to do for Jazz 489. Jazz 489 says, the show is right in my wheelhouse as a major Star Trek fan who also loves Babylon 5. Also, the fact that the hosts genuinely know nothing about the show adds to the enjoyment as they make predictions and react. The format works great. I particularly like when they guess the plot of the next episode based on the title, though I'm not sure they've ever been right. Highly recommend. Jazz, um, we too love Star Trek, despite our uh, pre-episode chatter. We really love Star Trek. We're really falling in love with Babylon 5, and you're absolutely right. I promise you, Jeff and I genuinely know nothing about this series other than what we've learned in the first, what is it now, Jeff, 16 episodes or so? 16. We're almost to the end of the first season. Getting there. We're like, really that's close. A, yeah. And uh, as an aside for another topic, we got to start talking about what that's going to look like for us between, like, are we going to do something or? Yeah, I think we should do an end of season recap. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and plug it. Those of you out there listening, those of you out there watching on YouTube, if you have ideas for what an end of season recap could be, email us, tweet at us, comment on the video and let us know. Jeff and I will see it. Maybe we'll incorporate it. Maybe we won't, but you never know until you try. And a great example of what that looks like. We have a website and you can visit that website. It's Babylon5first.com, the number five in the word first.com. And Daniel R. sent us an email that couldn't have timed better with what you just said and with the review from Jazz. Daniel says, first off, I'm thoroughly enjoying the podcast, but I guess you've already considered a different reference sound effect, like communicator, enterprise door, transporter, photon torpedo, something like that for when we reach our references. Then he says, why limit the number of references? Not sure why that's even a thing. Also, just because someone appeared in a Star Trek episode doesn't seem like a reference. Drop the guess the next episode bit. I'm not sure why you're doing it. It's not funny. It's not clever. And you're never correct. Or ignore me. Keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep listening because it's a great podcast nonetheless. By the way, you've caught up to me so I can start watching more episodes and put that HBO subscription to work. I love it. Well, thank you, Dan. And we may take some of your suggestions into accounts. But <laughs> you know what he referenced there, Jeff, was the silly limited number of references. Well, this is a game because Jeff and I figured way early that we should either never, ever talk about Star Trek or just talk about it to our heart's content. And we met in the middle and we said, let's make a game out of it. 
it's more fun than anything. We are limiting ourselves to three Star Trek references per episode. The fun part being what happens once you use them all and then you're not allowed to use them anymore. Uh, but we are limiting that. And if one of us uses a Star Trek reference, you're going to hear this sound. Okay, apparently, we did not take Dan's advice on changing up the noise. No. Okay. It's good advice, but. Yes. And when we hit three, that's it. We're done. Dunsky. No more. Nada. Nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got one more comment I want to share. I cracked up so much at this one. It came in a little bit late. This is from YouTube. Okay. And our, in our Death Walker episodes. Ooh. This one's going back a ways. But this is from Peter Evans. And Peter, you're a regular viewer on YouTube and always in there commenting. And I love being able to quote this one. This was brilliant. What's up, Peter? Peter Evans lists Natoth's list of Sean Carr blood oaths. One, Death Walker. Two, Movie Talker. Three, Line Cutter. (laughs) Four, and this is one of ours, Show Spoiler. And five, Bad Tipper. From her particularly violent waitressing back back in uh, back on Homeworld. <laughs> oh, I love that one, Peter. That is fantastic. Band so good, freaking fantastic. Well, Brent, you mentioned our game with the th- reference to threes. We have other games we like to play, and this one was referenced by both Jazz and and Daniel in there. But we like to guess what the following episode is going to be based on the title alone. We're about to talk about eyes. Mm. Brent, um, well, I'll share, um, I'll share mine first. I thought that Eyes was going to be a spy story, espionage, and the eyes that are watching you. So swing and a miss. <laughs> Brent, what did, what did you think it was going to be about? Oh, man, I, I nailed this one, and it fouled <laughs> off over the first base dugout. I said that this was going to be a love story that wasn't really a love story, but that it had to do with somebody like oversight like like reaching in or something like that so if you stretch it just a little bit i kind of got that one a little but uh i really leaned heavy into the love story part and yeah some some little kid up in the third row has got that ball and he's going home with it yeah that's the fun we miss the mark sometimes but now we get to find out what it was really about so for those of you that it might have been a while since you've seen this like oh i don't know like 30 years or so or if you're watching along with us or just listening or watching for fun brent what was eyes about it's a normal ordinary day on babylon 5 garibaldi is enjoying some personal time in his quarters where right in the middle of his living room he's assembling a 1992 kawasaki crotch rocket from scavenged parts sinclair is moody and earth force is interfering at the station they've sent colonel ari ben zane and harriman gray from earth force internal security that's eyes for short never mind the fact that you can't pull the word eyes from earth force internal security at all but whatever and they are there to conduct an investigation into everything that has been happening on the station since we started this podcast and that includes being scanned by mr gray who is a member of psychor Predictably, everyone has a problem with this, and most especially Ivanova, who's having nightmares right now about the time when her mom got injected with those drugs, which basically fried her brain. Ivanova even tries to resign her commission to prevent being scanned, eventually revealing that she and her mother sort of mind-melded, and it was a pretty special thing to feel your own mother's love for you. And ain't no one going to mess around with it. But don't worry. Sinclair's to the rescue because Sinclair's to the rescue. And once again, he takes the very novel approach of reading the rules, which says that no size scans are permitted unless charges have actually been filed. And since this is just an investigation, no charges have actually been filed. Well, old Mr. Gray has to take a hike. Benzane wants to go through all of Sinclair's actions episode by episode except for the one in which the kids whose parents murdered him in cold blood. But when Sinclair has had enough, Benzane announces formal charges against Sinclair, which then means that he does have to submit to a scan. And oh yeah, Benzane is now in command of Babylon 5, which as it turns out, that's what this has been actually about the whole time. Colonel Benzane was on the short list to get command of Babylon 5 when he was passed over by the Minbari, I might add, to select Sinclair. 
and this is his shot at claiming the command post, which he felt was rightfully his. And oh yeah, our old friend Bester, a.k.a. Chekhov, is the guy behind it all. But he forgot one thing. There's a telepath in the room, and this telepath actually has some morals. He has scanned the colonel and found him to be full of rage and lies. And when Benzane hits Gray, Gray drops Benzane with a single thought. Pain! And Benzane crumples like he got the Cruciatus curse put on him. And while he's down, Sinclair takes back command. Well, all's well that ends well. But, oh, yeah, you remember that motorcycle in Garibaldi's quarters? Well, that's got the attention of Lanier, you know, the lens attache, who then takes it upon himself to learn Japanese, read the entire instruction manual, scavenge the rest of the parts, modify it to accept a Mimbari power source because there's no gasoline on Babylon 5 in the future, and complete the entire project, much to which Garibaldi was like, part of the fun was putting it together, man. But hey, that doesn't stop him from taking it for a spin through Babylon 5 because, sure, that's a perfectly safe thing to do. The end. Stand by. We'll be right back. Are you ready to take your Babylon 5 for the first time experience to the next level? With our exclusive Patreon, you'll get access to all kinds of cool stuff that you can only find there. Our recording notes, unedited reaction videos, an exclusive Discord community. And you can even be listed as a producer of the show. Plus, we even offer exclusive meet and greets and hangouts. You won't find this kind of experience anywhere else. Get all these amazing benefits, plus the opportunity to interact with other fans from around the world. It's being part of a huge community where everyone shares the same appreciation for Babylon 5. Subscribe at patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. That's the number five in the word first to get access to these incredible benefits. That's patreon.com slash Babylon 5 first. We can't wait to see you there. Let's give you the one. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tell you, my initial thought on this one was Benzane in the membrane. Yeah, no, that wasn't my thought at all. In fact, my thought on this one was, oh my God, when is it going to be over? Really? I, yeah, I, yeah. um, I loved the Garibaldi and Lanier stuff. I was really critical of Lanier here recently. Uh, I really love, I really liked him in, in this one. Mm-hmm. I liked the Ivanova stuff. Like it wasn't fun or pleasant, but it added some depth and some really great needed context for her. Mm-hmm. But, oh my God, um. Ben Zane has to be the, like, I want the most arch bad guy, also the worst actor, and I want them in one body for this. It was un, unwatchable. But what saved it was a young Jeffrey Combs. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, sir. And I'm not going to count this one as a reference. This is a fact. Jeffrey Combs was Babylon 5 before he literally became star trek this predates his star trek debut by a almost a year maybe nine months is it i was no is it more than that it was a while yeah it doesn't matter because okay one he looks so young here but he so far outshined whoever this yahoo is that was playing benzane um if i i 100 agree with you on everything through although i wasn't necessarily waiting for it to be over but I think it's because when I was doing the reaction video, I was making fun of Benzane and Sinclair because you guys know I've <laughs> I'm I'm not on the Sinclair train like and and I I think it's not so much Sinclair I have a problem with as much as it is Michael O'Hare yeah. the actor like I don't like the way he's playing this character at all and I really am hoping that like he gets better in coming seasons. I think he's getting worse. Um, I think he is. Yeah. So I, I, think I have, is. and I haven't jumped on that train with you yet, but this one kind of got me there. Oh my, I mean the, the scene where those two are like in each other's faces, nose to nose yelling at each other. It was cringeworthy. Yeah. So okay? bad. So let me fix it. I can't do anything to fix Michael O'Hare, but I can fix our villain of the episode. Okay. Simply recasting him to Carrie Elwes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Wesley. 
Dread Pirate Roberts? Yeah. If it's him, this is amazing. You put him next to Jeffrey Combs as the bad guys in this episode. Oh, my word. That's incredible. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs was so good. Like, we'll talk about that more, but he was I mean, so, so good in this. And this was the, I think this is going to go down as the episode where Jeff got on the Michael O'Hare isn't the guy for this role train. Yeah. And, beca- and it's because, and I'll talk about it later, but again, we got lawyer Sinclair. Mm-hmm. But there's there's lawyer Sinclair who reads you the rule and tells you what the rule is. And then there's lawyer Picard who stirs your soul and makes you care about the law and the application of that law. And it just it, to me, it was so night and day in this one. I, I couldn't. What yeah. what were your what other thoughts did you have on on this one? Yeah. So, I, I mean. This one to me felt like the very first time we have seen the coming together of everything that has happened so far. Jeff, we've been promised this by the fandom out there that this is going to happen, that nothing is wasted, that it's going to come. It's all going to come back together. And this feels like the first time where those threads are starting to bundle. Yeah. You know, and we know that this whole first season, we've only got what, four or five, six episodes left of it. Um, we know that that each season is like a chapter mm-hmm. in a book or something like that. So this has to start coalescing and coming back together. I thought this was going to be a clip show real quick. Oh, when they started talking about everything that happened, like I thought that's where it was going to go. And I was like, really? A clip show in Babylon 5? It wasn't. Um, but the way that they brought this back around, setting the acting portion aside, the story of this, I very much adored. I, I really did. And um, the the biggest come away that I that I had with this, the biggest takeaway is I need a spinoff show that is just the sidekicks. I need Natoth. I need Lanier in a buddy cop show or something. Yeah. Add in Veer Kodo, And I don't know who is going to represent Earth. I don't know if it's Mimbar, if it's uh, Ivanova or I'm sorry, Ivanova. Or Garibaldi, one of those two, you know, but like yeah. this group, I want this group in their own show because Lanier, let me tell you what, this week I got on the Lanier train. I am all about this character. Like I thought he was just going to be somebody who slides in and out. And yeah, he happens to have that famous background as an actor from Lost in Space. He's that kid. Mm-hmm. I'm really hoping Lanier has a much bigger role going forward. He's got his name in the opening credits for a reason. Yeah. Uh, and I need Natal to have a bigger role coming forward, but I fell in love with, <laughs> with him. He was, he was great. Yeah. I mean, like when um in Grail, you know, I talked a lot about how he was just like almost psychophantically and in, in, in obsessed with, uh, with the Grail Hunter, with David Warner. Mm-hmm. And, but then in this one, I, 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 it made more sense to me. It's because he's he's brilliant. Yeah. You know, and but the scene, like the moment that did it for me was when he goes to Garibaldi and asks to help out. And he's like, well, no, this is before that when he's watching the video, mm-hmm. right, about the motorcycle. And he's like, sexual prowess. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. I got to tell you, when I heard him say that, I thought we would for sure see uh, Lanier come out with a black leather jacket yep. and a, and a do rag around his head and whatever that headpiece thing is that he has. And he'd be tatted up. And, and he, I mean, this guy would turn into a full on biker. Of course, that's a different kind of bike than what they were putting together. Yeah. But I don't care. Like I fully thought that's the route he was going to go. And I don't know what he was going to do with the sexual prowess side of that. But I, I was all for seeing him do something. Cause that was going to be funny. Yeah, he got super excited about that, and this is a symbol of masculinity. And he was all like, "I'm in." <laughs> I was like, "But the, the, so here's kind of a deep cut on the motorcycle piece." When he was watching the video, they said that the last gas po- gasoline powered bike was made in 2035. Yep. Current President Joe Biden signed an executive order that says the federal government will stop buying gasoline powered vehicles. By 2035. Really? Yeah. So here's my question. Is Joe Biden (laughs) a deep cut Babylon 5 fan? (laughs) He's going to make this prophecy come true. If that's where that number came from, that would be fantastic. Yeah. 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 I felt like it was 
there was, you know, obviously the clear message about the environment, you know, well, I, we couldn't do gasoline. Your people learned that was bad. But I think that they made that bold move too, being like, and we're going to stop making these things. You know, in the early mid nineties, I mean, there weren't, there weren't electric vehicles, you know, uh, running around. That's a pretty bold claim. No, but the, I mean, if I remember right back in the nineties, that's when they really first started talking about the hole in the ozone layer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, if we continue at the current rate, we're going to run out of sun by 2050 yeah you right. know and i'm like eh. you know i don't know it's been a really hot summer <laughs> this year yeah, a little bit you know i like to think though i'm really thankful that so many of our leaders have assured us that climate change isn't real it makes me feel good because honestly if it was real and this stuff was going on uh we should be terrified right now but it's cool it's probably fine jeff i'm terrified yeah but Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Can we talk about something that I just have to absolutely make fun of a little bit? <laughs> Actually, I've got, I've got a couple things, but this one I'm going to, okay. I don't know why it jumped out to me in this particular episode. Cause I know I've heard it before, but earth force, earth force. Like I know we have the air force air force sounds awesome. We had a president that tried to start and I guess it's still going mm-hmm. the space force. Yep. That's a thing which is a thing should have been called Starfleet. Just saying buzz me. If you want, I don't care. I I think it's, I'm going to call that one a fact. That's not a (laughs) reference. That's just what it should be. I mean, but now we, and I know this was well before space force, but I mean, space force sounds so goofy. And here we have earth force. Like it's the earth force. (laughs) Like, I don't know. It just, it sounds so goofy to me. And I like, mm mm-mm. And when they reach out um, to Earth Force on the Babcom, we get really excited about some of the the names they have. Earth Force is about as good as Babcom, I'm telling you. (laughs) Okay, I do want to talk about uh, uh, Jeffrey Combs. Okay. Just as a testament to how good of an actor he is. We hate Psychor. Are we agreed? Yeah. Psychor is bad. Psychor is evil. Yep. Like through and through. There's nothing good about Psychor, right? Except Harriman Gray. Except for Harriman Gray. Because this guy has a conscience and this guy had me feeling for his part of the story of he just wanted to serve. And all of a sudden this thing manifested right as he was going to, to, to basic or whatever. And he got booted and he just, you know, his whole life was just crushed because this thing he couldn't even control happened and he's not allowed to be there. Yeah. He gave some pathos. And even towards the end of the episode, when they're like, dude, you need to scan your boss. Like, forget me, scan him. I want to talk about that scan, but I want to save it for the end because, okay. Jeff, I lost it. I utterly lost it. I can't imagine why. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I cackled for five minutes, probably just at how bad. Okay, now I'm going to talk about it now. There you go. Yeah. When we got to the, compl- the, the, Jeff, this was the climactic scene of the episode. The peak. Everything's building to this moment, and it ended in, Colonel, pain. <laughs> he just he just fell over he's like colonel pain and colonel goes ah! <laughs> what well honestly even like the camera it was like pain like it was that total like mid 80s you know like i'm using my brain to eat your mind pain i was like no you cannot end this and the whole thing on colonel pain yeah and then he goes he made that noise. I don't know if that was the actual noise or not, but that's what I heard. I was so bad. It was yeah. so bad, Jeff. Well, sometimes, and Jeffrey Combs knows this, you can only work with what you're given. And uh, he did what he could. Listen, Jeffrey Combs nailed his part. If you took his, so the whole dynamic, right, was that he was trying to, he was trying to make Ivanova understand that like he was going to be respectful to her like look i understand you don't want this i'm not going to go crazy i'm going to be respectful he had the best of intention she heard it as you're just trying to butter me up this is you know whatever if you put those words into almost any other actor's mouth i would have felt the same way ivanova felt but immediately i i'm like he's he's being legit either he's like this incredible con artist who's super evil and whatever or like he legitimately doesn't want to be doing the job he's doing and you know so I, had, I had that same thought and here's what what made it so great 
I didn't know if he was legitimately good or if he was a con artist until he dropped the pain until he dropped. Right. Like I, in, in my head, I'm like, I'm really feeling for this guy, but I also know that this could just be an act mm-hmm. at the same time. And I didn't know like, and that is the power that is Jeffrey Combs because as much as Babylon five hires really bad actors looking at you, Michael O'Hare and whoever played Ben Zane and who was that girl from the episode survivors? Yeah. You really did not like her. No, I did all. not like her no. at all. And the guy who cut her, her, her number one dude. And as much as they have bad actors, you also get Jeffrey Combs. You get, uh, uh, Oh, David Warner, David Warner. Yeah. The, the name, I should learn her name. The name of the girl who plays Ivanova Londo Jakar, um, fantastic scene chewing actors who are amazing. Yeah. So as much as I make fun of these others, it's not a blanket statement because Babylon five got some, has some good people as well. Really good people. I, I want to talk about one of the really bad ones though. And I want to talk about Ben Zane. Yeah, do it. And, and you, you would call him should have been Carrie Ellis. Go ahead. (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't think so. And here's why. Oh, I think that the episode itself was written well. I'm going to talk. We'll talk about that in the closing. But the lines they put into his mouth, for the most part, were garbage. I don't even think that Carrie Elwes could have made them. Mm-hmm. And there are little things like this. Garibaldi busts, he comes in and is talking to, to Harriman and Gray in the quarters. And, and he's looking nervous, right? It's, oh, my God. Ben Zane comes in and he's like, that's okay. I got about there. I know you intimately. Can I get you a drink? Yeah. What? I, how, I no, straight up thought he just hit on him. <laughs> like, I really did. Like, or he did something unspeakable to Garibaldi against his will or even against his knowledge. Like, I legitimately thought that's where he was going with that. Yeah, I just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. And then, you know, we I've talked about this before. I usually watch the episodes twice. But in the second time I watched this episode, I was just like, you're nobody to me. You have no credibility as a villain. Mm-hmm. Everything you're doing is, is, is garbage at this point. It was Jeff. Are you, are you telling me that his weirdly put on accent didn't give him all the credibility? Cause all, all you need is a British accent to be a villain in and a scar TV and the scar. Yeah. The, okay. All it was, was a scar. That is some of the worst makeup I've ever seen in my life. No, yeah. It was so bad. The other thing that really just mm, got me was so he gets all high and mighty and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to arrest you, Sinclair, and I'm going to charge you with these things. And, and then he goes to walk off. And he turns around. And he's like, and that's not all. You're also confined to court. Like, and you're going to go to your room and you don't <laughs> talk to anybody. But what does Sinclair immediately do? He walks down. The, yeah, he walks with Garibaldi. Never, he never goes to his room. He goes to. Oh, my God. It's. Yeah, there are some wild inconsistencies yeah. that happen in this one that just, yeah. oh, so not good. So Lex just juxtaposed that with some of my new favorite lines of the whole series so far. Okay. All right. <laughs> Garibaldi talking about Lanier. Yeah. Said to himself goes, if I killed him, I would start a war. <laughs> that was great. Did you catch yeah. what he said to Zane? What did he say to Zane? So Zane like dismisses him. Go get some ra- go get some sack time. We're going to be doing this. He's like, oh, well, if I knew who God was, I'd thank her. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I got that one. Um, all right. Sinclair. I, and this is what makes me think the character is not written poorly. It's just acted poorly. He has this line. Earth force may have its problems, but it won't be solved by trampling on human dignity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. We're going to come back to that one later. Yes, we I are. Promise you. <laughs> but that was a fantastic line. And then I'm going to give you my new 100% favorite line of the whole show. It used to be, I'm going to turn your bones into flutes for my children yeah. is this one from Ivanova. I will twist your head off and use it for a chamber pot. That is awesome. That's hardcore. That is awesome. So hardcore. So I had two just quick things that I liked that I wanted to pull out on this one. And then and then I want us to talk about the Ivanova stuff. I think that's kind of a deeper dive. Yeah, yeah. But um, I really liked that this kind of started and was predicated on the Shal Mayan coming back to Babylon 5. Yeah, we didn't see her at all. Not at all. They mentioned her, but she wasn't a part of this at nope. all. 
it was, I think it was just set up to kind of, um, you know, kind of create a little bit of that early tension. But to me, it said a lot about the Minbari and it said a lot about Shaw Mayan specifically that, I mean, she was almost murdered she when the, she, she was got here. branded, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And chose to keep it, chose to keep it on there. And she's still going to come back to Babylon five. I think that says a lot about that culture and her as a person. And when we talk about that terrorism and that stuff going on. So we've got, um, home guard, that we've seen quite a bit from. And then today in this episode, we heard about Free Mars. So another terrorist group and all these arms dealings going on. Mm-hmm. Garibaldi did a really good job um, just breaking down how Earth and all of Earth's allies are just falling apart in a huge way. But Free Mars was the one where I'm like, okay, that's that's Home Guard, Free Mars. We're getting, we're getting groups named in here now. And then there's Ivanova. Yeah. Brent, Brent, do you hear the birds? That was an intense scene. Her dream? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Um, I I was going back to Game of Thrones vibes again mm-hmm. in that scene, for sure. Uh, I knew. I knew when, when Lady dropped her head, she was going to come up and it was going to be Ivanova yeah. again. Like, I, I called that straight out. But that was gut-wrenching. You knew it was a dream the whole time. The the dry ice spoke all over the place was just a bit over the top. Yeah. Um, But watching that moment and then i know it wasn't this moment but to have that in your mind when you hear her talking about that she and her mother shared a a connection and she got to experience her own mother's love for her and that was so precious to her that she wasn't going to let anybody touch it Mm -hmm. nobody was going to touch it speaking of good lines she had this fantastic line about having to scan her psychologically scan her to prove her loyalty. She said, that's an invasion of my privacy and it's an invasion of my honor. Yeah. And I went, wow. And she would rather resign her post than let somebody do that to her. That is morals. That is principles. That is, um, integrity, integrity. Thank you. Uh, and like, and I, Obviously, Sinclair was not going to accept it, and he was going to find a way around it. But, I mean, oh, my gosh. Ivana was going through some stuff. And this goes all the way back to Midnight on the Firing Line when we first heard about this conversation between her and uh, Talia. Yeah. Where they were going through that. And in the middle of that, I'm going to say it again. I don't know about you, Jeff. I completely ship Garibaldi and Ivanova. No, I don't. I absolutely do. Watching them in this episode... Yeah, that's not just friends. I'm for it. I'm for it. I, I think it is. I guess, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think we have to, I don't think everybody has to. She not everybody she, has to, but these two should. Uh, I don't know. Not everybody know. has to, these two should. It was in Born to the Purple, right, when she watched her dad die um, and, and got to got to talk to him. I think it was Born to the Purple. Sure. And you know, Garibaldi called her on it and whatever, but on his way out, he was like, Hey, you want to get a drink? Mm-hmm. And she took a rain check. I loved that. They called that they back. back. Yeah. And she's like, I need that drink right now, which led <laughs> to one of the most badass scenes in the whole thing where Ivanova took down the whole bar, like single-handedly. I, I, I loved that whole, that whole scene with her. I loved Garibaldi's response when she came in. She's like, you want some? And he's like, no, I'd like to wake up tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's why they're great, like super amazing, great friends is they, they can joke with each other like that. He can deescalate her with that joke. Right. I mean, that's buddies. That's, you know, that's really good friends. I don't, I don't think that has to, if there's a relationship, there's that extra something Mm. that's in there that I, I don't know. I just think it, I think it sullies the their friendship to to force him into something physical. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me. I'm also pretty anti-ship in general. So which might be more of a reflection of I me. hate using the word. I'm I feel ashamed of myself that I actually just used that word. I gotta be honest with I'm you. I'm a little ashamed of you too. Yes, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> in her dream going back to the dream sequence though, I was struck like they seemed to really make a point out of so when she and Talia Ivanova and, and Talia were talking in Midnight on the Firing Line it was about that you know drugs prison or psychor are the options and the drugs kind of quieted everything down cooled everything out whatever this didn't silence the voices 
made them sing like birds. And they hit that point a couple of times. I just wanted to call it out here because I feel like that's something that's going to come back somehow. It's got to be. Yeah. It's got to be. Yeah. I felt like they were trying to say something that was a callback to something that we had already heard, but I don't think it was. I I don't think so. Yeah. Like, I think this is, which means the way they hit that, because you're right. Like, that's either a callback to something we've heard or that's a setup for something to come. Mm -hmm. That's, that's furthering the story down the line because we're definitely not done with Ivanova and Psychor. No, no, not at all. You know, and now that you said this, that when, um, when Harriman Gray was sitting with her in, in the, when she was eating lunch and he picked, I don't know, Talia Winters, you were just thinking her so strong. I wasn't scanning you. I just picked it up. Mm-hmm. Her seeing herself as her mom and then her developing a professional relationship with Winters. I think that's what there's more to come. There is like, that's another one Ivanova and Talia specifically. I'm for that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm absolutely yeah. for that. Cause I was actually just thinking like in an episode that features psychor, we don't have our resident psychic in the episode. Yeah, It's a little weird, but mentioned still mentioned, but mentioned, there you go. There you go. Was this Ivanova or was this Garibaldi? Speaking of great lines. Cause I think it was in, it was in that scene you're just talking about, right? Where they said, uh, they're trying to convince Harriman to actually scan Benzane mm-hmm. as well. And he says, the intent of a question is sometimes as important as the answer. And it was, it was just so good. And I was like, dude, that is fantastic. Yeah. Why you're asking the question is every bit as important as to what the answer of whoever's going to give it to you is. Um, yeah, I remember who said that. But if it was Garibaldi, that would make sense to me. I think it, it was either Garibaldi or, or Ivanova because, like I said, they were in that scene that mm-hmm. you were just referencing. Yeah. It would make sense. I mean, that's that's the way an investigator would think, right? Like, well, why are you asking me this question? That tells me more and that I should now be asking you about this thing. We got a bester. We got a bester. We did. We got to talk about, I, I mean, I don't know how much to talk about him, but he's behind the whole thing. And, okay, so is he going to become a, ma- a main guy? Do you, like, I, I'm just asking you, yeah. Jeff. We are both unspoiled. Are we going to see him, maybe not super frequently, but, like, is he coming back? A few times, and is he a guy? I think so. I well, okay. So I think so, but I, I'm totally biased in that because I want more of him. Yeah. So I somebody had mentioned in on Twitter or on YouTube that in and the sky full of stars, the knights, mm-hmm. right? So the knight that was in the brain space and in the thing with Sinclair, that was originally meant for Walter Koenig. Really? But he he apparently had a heart attack. Oh. And yeah, and uh, wasn't able, like the scheduling didn't work. And so they twisted it. JMS really wanted him to be a part of it. And so mm-hmm. thus came Bester. I got to think like, this is just me, you know, armchair quarterbacking here. But that night, I think it was night two, was going to persist as Walter Koenig. But because it didn't, they fried his brain and whatever. Now, because mm-hmm. he's Bester, I think Bester is going to be an ongoing concern. And gosh, I mean, they mentioned they name dropped him like three or four times. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, they connected this guy like huge. directly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wonder mm-hmm. is, I don't remember the order of these things, but were the Knights are the Knights connected to Bester somehow? Like, is that why? Cause we never got who sent them. Yeah. I, I mean, Bester yeah. is Psychor. They come from Psychor. So yeah. one would think, but how big is Psychor yeah. and how big is Bester in Psychor? I, I, I don't know. The idea that he, that Bester sent these guys out here almost as a revenge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it's him and Benzane both had a common enemy. So they hooked up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think we'll definitely be seeing more of Bester and I'm okay with that. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Jeff, I have a question for you. All right. Specific to your skill set, Benzane calls Sinclair a hot shot who was brought up through the ranks without any real leadership ability. Starfleet leadership Academy podcaster go. I don't disagree with him. Um, so as a leader develops, as a manager develops, you start out as like, I'm going to be shift lead, you know, here and I'm going to run the shift and then I'm going to run this crew and then I'm going to run this, uh, restaurant and then I'm going to run this dist- Like there's, there is a natural progression and that progression is important. Mm-hmm. You don't walk into your first management or leadership job as a regional manager. You right. start as assistant to the regional manager. 
<laughs> assistant regional manager. Assistant to the regional. <laughs> but you start, you know. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, it's all of it. But the whole, um, but you, there's a progression to that. And what we know is that Sinclair literally went from running a squad of fighters to commanding Babylon 5. There's a scene in here where um, Harem, uh, Gray and Zane are on and they're asking questions, you know, around the thing. Garibaldi's bringing it to Sinclair's attention and they're like, oh, they're from whatever contractor. They probably mm-hmm. just want a bid. And Sinclair's response is, hey, walk softly. The last thing we need is a corporate lawsuit. Mm-hmm. When that line was dropped, to me, that showed his lack of skill as his non-qualification to be a leader at that level. Because a leader at that level, corporate lawsuits are part of the day. Union mm-hmm. labor disputes are part of your day. These just what happens, and you kind of roll with it. But instead, he's like, oh, I, we, there might be a corporate. Chill out, dude. No. Yeah, Zane, and, and they, they hammered this a number of times in the episode about how, like, yeah, Ben Zane was in the top 10 for this. Oh, yeah, well, uh, you, Sinclair, were way down below that. And then when we found out about the whole Minbari, the, yeah, you were way, like, they've hit that nail on the head a couple of times. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with Zane on that at all. I agree. I think Sinclair is a good human a good person. And I think he cares and has compassion. We've seen that. Uh, but as a m- manager of a station of two and a half million people on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he's, he's, a he's out of his league. He's yeah. there for a reason that is not to command the station. And we have yet to find out what that is. Yeah. And we're, we're hopefully I'm assuming we will find that out eventually, maybe not in the season, maybe in the next season or a couple seasons down the road. Hopefully he's a better actor by then. Jeff, I have one closing thought, I think, before we get to our final pieces or whatever you have left. Okay. Uh, and I kind of referenced this a little bit up at top. Uh, Lanier, he's my new favorite sidekick. Whoa. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He's taken over Natoth's spot for me. He's my new favorite sidekick. I like him a lot. He, his, his him doing his like little prayer. It's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to, to, to you know, take this over for me. Like he's putting together that as soon as I saw that bike all the way together and I went, Oh no, like the fun is in putting it together, not in having it, you know, like, like I I think I compared it to my kid, like building a Lego. Like if he's building a Lego, I could just walk in and do it all for him. When he comes home from school, it's there done. Like Lego's fun to have once it's all put together, but the real fun is putting it together. And yeah, you know, I was glad Garibaldi called it out and he's like, he didn't sweat it too much. He was like, yeah, well, let's go take it for a ride. Awesome. Yeah. First, especially once he was like, I can, I can drive this thing. <laughs> right. That was great. Yeah. My last thought on the whole thing was, did you get Garibaldi's password? Not one, two, three, four, five. No, it's not the password an idiot would have on their luggage. No, it's a uh, peekaboo. There you go. Peekaboo. Wait, was that actually the password or was he, was it just like a reference to something? Cause I like, I heard it and I was like, oh, that's just, wait, maybe it's not. Maybe it is. I'm pretty sure it was. And, and I think okay. the way, and I, I don't know, like there's gotta be something to it, but I just know that that kind of came up when we were talking about Londo's password back in the yeah. day. People are like, well, you see Garibaldi's. And I'm like, well, it's peekaboo. What, what sold it for me is how like the computer asked him passcode, please. And he's like, ah, peekaboo. <laughs> Like, yeah, this is what it is. <laughs> that's like, that's like when you have to, as an adult and somebody's like, Hey, what's your email address? But you still use your email address from college. <laughs> yeah. You're like, all right, I got to spell it for you. Yeah. <laughs> Sunsurf 67. I caught myself right, right. <laughs> at hotmail. Uh, oh, right. that- <laughs> yeah. All right, Jeff. So. I think we've reached that part of the show where it is time to boil it down and see if this has any of that Star Trek quality to it. We're not comparing it to Star Trek. We're just analyzing it with the lens that we have as Star Trek podcasters and asking the question, does this give us a hope for the future? Does it hold up a mirror to society? Does it show us how to be better? And should we have watched this one before? We're going to do that by rating it on deltas, zero to five deltas. Jeff, I'm going to throw it to you first. How do you rate this episode? Well, I, uh, I wanted to like this one. I wanted to, I, I, I didn't very much. I watched it twice. That is a, that is a plenty. That is a plenty for me. I did appreciate that Sinclair, um, kind of got held accountable 
for some of his leadership decisions. And not because they were bad decisions, but they were outside the box. Thinking, that's the thing that happens. And I thought that was good. Uh, So should I watch this one sooner? Well, yeah, if I didn't want to watch the first half of the first season, I could have watched this one and it wrapped up a couple of the points for it. But I think I'd rather watch the first half of the first season. To me, though, as we look at Deltas for this one, really thinking about this one, it felt like the drumhead. Mm-hmm. Um, it starts with a person and a fairly reasonable question, right? Like, you know, hey, we're going to, we need to check your loyalty. These things are going on, but it escalates really, really quickly and gets way out of hand. But where Picard uses this to talk about racism, to talk about fear mongering and the dangerous momentum that we pick up as a mob that leads to witch hunts. Yep. This episode was about a ridiculously jealous guy and a slighted bester. So I, I think the Star Trek moment, though, for me was when Garibaldi and Sinclair were talking. You referenced this a little bit. Garibaldi is listing out all the ways Earth Alliance is falling apart and that guys like Zane thrive in these situations. And Sinclair responded that that's why somebody has to stand up to him and that the problems can't be solved. This was what you, you referenced by trampling on human dignity. And from there, Sinclair lawyer Zane tries to stand up. But a seed that he planted in, in, in gray eventually pains off. <laughs> I feel like after this one that um, it, was a, a, it was a very Star Trek way of solving this problem. And it was a problem based on a strong Star Trek theme around human dignity. Sinclair to me, not Michael O'Hare, Sinclair feels mm-hmm. like a mix of Kirk and Picard through these things. So... Even though this detoured a little bit from the drumhead and where I kind of started thinking on this one, I think this was a surprisingly Star Trek episode, and I'm going to give it four deltas. What about you? I think it is a fantastic comparison to compare this to the drumhead, except in this case, drumhead did way better. Way better. Just did it way better. Yeah. Um, But I am in full agreement. I can't say that I loved this episode. This is an episode I would, this is a laundry episode. Like Hmm. if it it was on TV and I was hanging out, I probably wouldn't change the channel, you know, but I would have it on in the background while I'm doing other things and not really pay very much attention to it. Um, There's some really highlighted spots about this episode. There's some really low light spots really surrounding the hero and the villain of the episode, but there were so many lines to pick out of the one you just said, we don't solve our problems by trampling on human dignity. Ivanova saying that scanning her is questioning her loyalty uh, or questioning her loyalty by scanning her is an invasion of her privacy and an invasion of her honor. You know, even the one where they said the intent of a question is just as important as an answer. Now that felt very Kirkish to me. So like you, I found a surprisingly high correlation to Star Trek. Like this one was trying to say something. This episode, even though it wasn't the greatest episode, felt like it was trying to say something, but it didn't really know what it was trying to say. It felt it felt very much like instead of a a, a cannon shot to the heart, which is what Drumhead was, mm-hmm. right? Like what you're going to just left with a big old hole in your chest. This one's like they picked up a couple of rocks and they started throwing rocks at you. And you just got like a mark here and a mark there and a mark there. That's, that's the difference. Hmm. And frankly, that's the way a lot of star Trek episodes are. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's not the cannon shot. Sometimes it's just, we're going to throw these few things at you. And so like you, I found this a, a a high level star Trek uh, with those messages, Mm -hmm. you know, with those types of messages. So I'm going to, I'm going to stick with you and I'm going to give it four, deltas because it definitely had that vibe it definitely had that feel you put this you put this episode at the hands of like a ronald d moore uh an iris stephen bear renee echeverria those guys they will mine that for something and do it way better and they're going to cast carrie always to come in and play the bad guy is exactly what's going to <laughs> to happen so yeah i give it four deltas nice well that's it for eyes Now, next week, we are going to be watching, well, you know, I'll give you the title here in a second, but like we said before, we have a game we like to play, and that's we don't know anything about this. We don't look at pictures, recaps, anything, and we are begging all of you 
to not tell us anything <laughs> about what's coming up. No spoilers, no hints, no anything. Just laugh at us. Yeah. That's all we want you to do is laugh at us and our horribly bad predictions. I love that we're so bad at this. <laughs> it's great. But we're going to guess what we think the next episode is going to be about based on the name only. The next episode we're watching is Legacies. Brent, what do you think Legacies is going to be about? I think this one has to be about Sinclair and the Mimbari and whatever they found. Like, is this the episode we found out what's going on in his brain? Oh, it's the le- like the legacy that was left from Sinclair. Like maybe Sinclair is really important to the Mimbari. Like it's it's not just what they did to him, but maybe there's something about Sinclair himself that is really important to the Mimbari. And oh, whoa! <laughs> Sinclair, I'm going I'm going total Cisco and Odo on you here. OK, Sinclair is part Mimbari. That's it. Whoa, that's it right there. And it's a legacy. That's why that's why the whole thing's been happening with him. Sinclair is part. Wow. I mean, like you, you remember Cisco and like he's all part prophet or like mm-hmm. Odo and like he's like, my people are the Dominion. Oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. Sinclair's part. Oh my God. Or or Star Lord and Marvel. You know, uh-huh. he's part whatever, part God. Wow. That's 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 where I'm going. And then he's gonna find out what his legacy is it legacy or legacies? Legacies. Okay, so that's gonna be one of them, and then who knows what the other ones are. I have no idea. But that's that's my big thing. Wow. So mine was really selfish and what I was thinking. That's that's profound. Mine was just it's been a long time since we've had a Jakar and Londo episode. Oh, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. So I'm going to guess that a great leader from the Narn regime, or, or maybe the Centauri, one or the other, they're going to do something filthy and dirty to secure their family's legacy. But to do that, they're going to have to compromise either Jakar or Londo's legacy. And then it's going to give them that moment to like either do the right thing or you know help the person secure their legacy. But we're going to find out. Next week, right here on Babylon 5, for the first time, thank you so much for joining us. We love having you here. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening or watching. And wherever you are, go ahead and leave us some stars. Leave us a review. As you saw and heard at the beginning of the episode, you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. If it doesn't, if we don't hear about it right, screenshot it. Send it to us. Make sure we know. We will read it right here on the podcast. So until next time. Jeff. Just get out of Zabagadi. here. Zabagadi. Zabagabi. All right, Jeff, you know what? Jeff, if, if you do that, you just put a little more beat to it, sing it a little more up. You can end every show like that from now on. I'm with it. Zabagabi. Zabagabi. For the first time.